Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. In this episode, we have on friend of the show, Priscilla Peach Lang, once again. We begin the episode by discussing the book, The Book of Awakening, by Mark Nepo. We discuss a particular passage in which the author makes reference to looking out onto the horizon during turbulence to aid in one's perspective during difficult life moments. However, this was merely the runway to the heart of the episode as Priscilla details the story of her daughter's journey as a young child needing a heart transplant and the numerous spiritual and emotional trying moments as a mother witnessing it all. Priscilla bravely details how her shifts in perspective were key in her acceptance of the outcome of her and her daughter's tale together. Fascinating and heartwarming, literally. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jen and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. I want you to get together. Now isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra, Spirituality with a Twist. You uh, once again have Daniel piloting the ship. Uh, Eric is taking some R&R time, so I hope that he... uh, is listening. Eric, 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 can you hear Eric? We Eric, Eric, no, just kidding. Um, but, uh, you know, in my place, we have uh, one friend of the show, Priscilla. She has joined us before and uh, we're, we're, we are, I say, we say, I say we as if there's more than one person. It's me. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad to, <laughs> glad to have you back on. Say, say hi for the audio. <laughs> Thank folk you. Hi. Hi everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, it's been a little while. I think last time you were here too, we did like a little, I don't even know what you call it, like a little excerpt from the book, The Prophet uh, by Khalil Gibran. And so again, today we have uh, a little excerpt from a book uh the book is called The Book of Awakening, and, and Priscilla brought this to me the other day when we were talking about doing the episode. So, um, you know, it, it's nice to be introduced to other things, which is one of the lovely parts about podcasting, right, is that people are going to listen or watch, depending on, you know, what medium you're you're checking us out on. But you get introduced to different topics, different ideas, different books, different things like this, uh, and it influences the way that you might think or might be or whatever the case is. So uh, thanks for coming on and chatting with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, you're always welcome. Um, we have some, you know, some people who've been coming. You know, now that we've been doing this, uh, we're we're creeping up on uh, year number three. Yikes! Yikes! Uh, I know time goes by really quickly, um, but you know, we've had a few people who've been on here a few times now, and so it's nice to be able to have some kind of stable. Uh, I don't know number of people. We'll make mm-hmm. it on and, and chat and get to, you know, explore deeper conversations with them. So um, thanks again for coming on and thanks again for tuning in wherever you're watching or listening. Uh, we do appreciate it. We Again, we have a number of our, you know, most of our audiences within the U.S., but there's about like 25, 30 percent that's international, um, which is cool that we get to have that kind of connection with people all over the world. So um, thank you for tuning in and, and for sharing our work. So anyways, 
So we'll get started here. Uh, this book or this passage is from, again, the Book of Awakening. The author is Mark Nepo, N-E-P-O. As always, I'll put the link. I won't put a, uh, maybe I'll put a link to his you know book in the description, yeah. but I'll definitely put his name down and whatever. And I'll also type out the, uh, the passage so that if you are reading it, you can also kind of see it as we're talking about it. But I'll go ahead and read it now. And then we will, uh, we'll discuss. Uh, so it says, the title of this little passage is Sugar in the Tree. As someone sitting beneath a tree can imagine the earth from the above trees, or the earth from above the trees, a heart encumbered by reality can know eternity. As a boy, I spent many hours at sea on a 30-foot catch my father had built. When the sea would get rough, I'd go below where the noise and motion of the deep would pound the hull, and every toss and lurch would feel sudden and pointed. Finding me there, my father would told me how sailors would, when feeling sick, have always made their way on the deck to look at the horizon. While that doesn't, provide, doesn't prevent the pitch and drop of waves in a storm, it is somehow less upsetting if the larger context is kept in view. I have kept this wisdom close to me when pitched in storm. In truth, whether facing uh, cancer or riding the insecurity of repeated rejection or trying to surmount the most profound moments of loneliness, my greatest pains and fears have been lessened when I've managed to keep the largest sense of life before me like a horizon. This is a difference between despair and faith, between the narrow point of doubt and the view long enough to sustain all life-giving possibility. It seems we suffer more when huddled below, and the eternal and through the eternal perspective, the uh, the horizon of all time and all life doesn't remove us from our storms. It does make things more bearable. During the hardest times, keeping my eyes on the horizon has helped me to endure such things as loss of a rib, loss of a marriage, and a job I love. For staying where we can keep God in view allows the ups and downs to be somewhat predictable. It even shows that suffering has its rhythm. Keeping the larger view can be the difference between thinking life is cruel and knowing that experience is a powerful ocean. In ways that truly matter, God is always in the horizon, and faith is making our way on deck despite our pain. So there's a, a number of things here that are you know really interesting that uh, I, I think are quite apropos of, of where we are at this particular time of the year, you know, uh, Priscilla and I are, are are both acupuncturists, studiers, and and dare I say, enthusiasts of Chinese medicine and, and Taoist theory. As she's got the yin and yang uh, picture right behind her, you know, uh, balance of opposites, and it is yin and yang uh, for our you know people listening. Anyways, so the the previous episode that I had posted was with Mary Kay, and we talked about the season or the celebrate the Yule celebration, right? And we talked about the importance of the winter solstice and the winter solstice and the Yule celebration going hand in hand, uh, you know, and then in like in a very condensed, uh, you know, obviously if you want to learn more about it, just check the podcast out because it's like an hour long discussion versus my three second breakdown of it right now. But Yule is like a celebration of the returning of the sun, right? And because of that, it's sort of like an interesting juxtaposition. So in Chinese medicine, this is like the water element time. This is the time of like re deep reflection, storage, um, going inward, like hibernation. Would you would you agree or say something? Mm -hmm. along yeah, those no, 
I totally agree. I think it's the most like internal part of the year. I think that's why like even the holiday spirit, like I feel like, you know, there's like a warming sensation just like this wanting to slow down, wanting to like have connections, you know, like I definitely love, you know, just like going over to people's house and having tea or just having like intimate conversations around this time of year. And there's like a generosity in my spirit that like, you know, it's, it's a deep feeling. Like it's different than like, whenever I'm just like, it's the summer and it's super hot and we're just like super busy. And we're just like outwardly expressing ourselves, you know, there's like mm. a lot of reflection that happened for me personally, um, in this time of year. So, mm-hmm. and you see that nature too, with animals hibernating, they're going inward and they're like slowing down and, you know, it's a quieter time. And I think that that is really re- reflects in us as humans too, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's totally true. It's a little bit more difficult to experience if you don't have the full kind of four seasons, you know, um, but, you know, for those of us who are, you know, living here in the, in the temperate climate of the U S mm-hmm. right. We, or, or depending, you know, even in Europe too, um, you know, they do have four seasons roughly. I mean, most people do in some extent, uh, more wetter or drier, depending on where you are, you know, um, but this idea of like being in the darkest part of the year, you know, and then coming through the other side, right. Is, is kind of like, an important um, observation that I kind of wanted to start with, you know, and that we have this celebration of the sun, right? This observing of the the return of the warmth, return of the light, specifically at like the darkest trough of, you know, of our time uh, during the year that is. And people often experience, you know, because I'm, I'm in the clinic, you're in the clinic. And I think there's a number of clinicians who, you know, who listen to this, you know, but we see this on a regular basis, right? Seasonal affective disorder is totally a thing. And yeah, we're going to say there's not as much sun and that we should take more vitamin D and the studies are very clear on that. And that's a good thing to do, you know, of course. Um, But that doesn't necessarily like give this sort of, I don't know, ubiquitous pass to all of the feelings that people have during this time of year. It's like, oh, it's only related to the sun. The sun's important. But it's not the only thing. And so I'm, you know, as we're talking and and as we talked before we started recording, um, this passage sort of, I don't know, I guess maybe is more apropos now that we're going to be getting into it than it was perhaps 12 hours ago, you know, for me anyways. And so we'll start in the beginning, right? And the sentence reads, as someone sitting beneath a tree can imagine the earth from above the trees a heart encumbered by reality can know eternity. So this is a really deep, a deep passage, right? One that you had you know, brought to my attention. I told you I had to reread it like eight times because like I, the concept of it, like reading it, like I really wanted to put it together. Like there's so much concentrated in just this like sentence that like mm-hmm. speaks to so many things. Mm-hmm. I won't expand until you're finished. Um, but I can talk a little bit about like what, it, what, like my interpretation and like my, you know, how I like, um, yeah, go ahead. I see it. Go ahead. Well, just, just this idea that I think like as humans, sometimes we forget that like, even though we're limited by our own physical bodies, that our mind can go places, you know, like we, like just the concept of daydreaming or like dreaming at night, like the mind does things that are like hard to describe and explain, you know, even in like, you know, the brain knows everything, but it knows so little about itself kind of way of some sort. And so we can like, I sometimes in, um, 
I teach yoga. And sometimes whenever I'm teaching my students, I tell them, I'm like, you can throw your mind places, you know, like you could easily be on your mat in front of me, but also doing your grocery list Mm -hmm. and barely hearing me like, yeah, you're going through the movements. So there's a difference of like landing your attention and your mind and awareness. And so this idea of like this person that's physically sitting beneath this tree, but they're throwing their mind above it and using this like creativity and imagination that the mind is so good at to give them a a different view basically. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily change change their position under the tree, but they're able to see it differently. And um, I, and it's, I think it's relating it to the heart that like, even though sometimes emotions and life can be really hard and weigh heavy on the heart, um, we can, sometimes we can throw our mind and see it differently and it doesn't change the situation, but it can lighten the load and the the suffering of the heart, I, I believe. And that's the way I was kind of interpreting and seeing it. So, so that's interesting. Um, Cause the way that I, and so you're, so you're talking about it as a, um, as like a macrocosm or microcosm for altering one's perspective, you know, using the, using the ability of the mind to alter one's perspective, which is probably more on, you know, on target with the, the, the overarch, overarching theme of the episode, which is perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other part for me is actually the the last piece of the sentence what it said where it says a heart encumbered by reality can know eternity which doesn't have anything to do with mind right so like you you reference like sitting beneath a tree you can imagine the earth from above a tree right so you use this sort of mental imagery to understand perspective to change your perspective right to sort of flip it um but you know what he's referring to here again this is what i what sits more deeply with me it says a heart encumbered by reality can know eternity well you're taking that same technique right except now you're not using it for uh sort of a, a visual transformation but you're using it for a con- a, a conscious chronological transformation mm-hmm. because when we say reality when people think about reality at least this, this is my my guess my interpretation you think about right now, right? And so reality as it sits today, because you we can never truly know reality as it sat a hundred years ago, 50 years ago, mm-hmm. a thousand years ago, but you know reality as exists right now. But the one thing you cannot know is eternity. We can't know the future either, but we maybe can make some predictions, you know? But the concept of eternity is only some like ephemeral thing that we can try to wrap our mind around, but we can't really do it. And yet like in here, he's saying that like that potentiality to know eternity is possible by the same means that we would be able to understand that we can know the earth from above the tree as we're sitting below it. So this idea of, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast of like, remaining in the water without getting wet being mm-hmm. in reality mm-hmm. and understanding that this is there, there's more than just this finite nature yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah no i mean like i think about sometimes like i mean what you're saying like this idea of you know whenever we're really young like we put a lot of things in our mouth as babies you know mm-hmm. um and basically like as adults you can think of anything like right now think about a lego think about a piece of velcro you can think about licking it and you know exactly what it feels like like you don't technically have to feel it but like there's right. this, there's this connection that our mind 
there's these connections. And I think as spiritual beings, well, I believe as spiritual beings that have um, come into a body form to live on this earth, um, we can connect back with that. Like, you know, we could, we could possibly know attorney and like eternity and that, that feeling, um, you know, because we came from there, you know, it's like that, like it's, it's in there somewhere, you know, it's like, how do we connect it though? And um, sometimes I think about like the brain, the heart and the gut. So like, you know, I feel like the mind has that like part of consciousness or spiritual aspect, like that's our connection piece. And I feel like the gut, you know, like they always say, like, trust your gut. I feel like that's like our more earth brain that like, that's how we kind of like live and move through the earth. And then it's like, how do we get these two to like come to the heart center and like merge them and like, like live with both in a certain way, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I really love that. Um, you know, I love that the end sentence is, is talking about the heart and like how the heart has to be here in reality. Um, but it can also know, it can know both. It can know down here and it can know above here. Cause it's the connecting piece of them both, you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's finding, you know, um, finding that connection right there, not, not being too much of an, you know, walking on the earth, not being too much of your head in the clouds, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you live from your heart? You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's a good, uh, I mean, I've been, you know, Eric and I are, you know, and you and I are probably going to, we'll just start our, we'll, we'll start our, our, our debate, our fight right now, you know, <laughs> my sword. yeah, 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 yeah. I should have brought my, <laughs> I <know>. where <laughs> are my nunchucks that I need them? <laughs> like, no, but we had, Eric and I had this, you know, discussion mm -hmm. about like, you know, he was saying and how like, you know, cause he's a, um, a supervisor, you know, for, for clinic, for student clinicians. Mm hmm and how they're all, he's saying, okay, well, what's you, what, what do you want to work on with your patient that you want to go treat? And they're like, oh, I want to ground people in their bodies, mm. you know? And that just like, that drove him nuts, it, you know, for a couple of weeks, it drove him really, I mean, really <laughs> nuts, you know, and like <laughs> I'm crazy. Yeah. But, but Eric crazy. So not really that yeah. crazy, you know, just like well, slightly I, animated. I, I love Eric. I respect him so much. I feel like, you know, whenever you ask me to come on this podcast, I'm like, I am not worthy. Like, you know, I am not as well read or practiced in some of the things that like, you know, I love listening to you guys talk and I learn so much, but like, I have felt it in my own life and my own experiences, you know? And so like, I, whenever I come here, like, I don't really have like a book to quote or an old lineage of something to tell you about. I can just tell you from like experiencing it myself and then seeing it in other people. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like, that's all I have, you know, um, and just like other people validating it a little is, bit. Is that know? all you have? I mean, because you did study a lot. I know I yes. did. I'm a, I'm a, yes. I was a studious student for sure. No, yes. I did. But also, yeah, like all of these pieces also just basically help bolster up my own, my own experiences and sure. truths that living with a vulnerable heart and trying to live from the center is a, is a really rewarding place to live from, you know? Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, to Eric's, like to Eric's thing about being in the body, it's like, you know, for me, like, I know I'm spirit and I'm body, but like, um, you know, it's, there's a large percentage of the population that I would guess that like, because they can't see things, they don't believe it's hard to believe them, you know? Right. And so like, I am in a, like, my body means that I get to be real for somebody. So my, my example, like, I can talk all day or you could read all day about something, but until you can really see it, sometimes it doesn't, that's that bridging piece. So my body gives me the ability to access humans and like lead by experience, like example, basically. Sure. Um, and so, um, you know, just trying to tune myself to a higher level so that I can be an example. And hopefully that's a bridging gap for someone that says like, Oh, like, 
you know, I have questions now or like, I want to learn more. Um, mm. And so that's what the, that's what my body gives me. And so like knowing my body and being in tune with it, that's what, um, and being grounded in it helps me be relatable basically in my mm. own idea and opinion. Mm. No, I listen. Uh, so, yeah. you know, no, it's, I, I, I hear you. I understand. I mean, that was, that was much of the argument that I gave him. Yeah, yeah, you know, oh, not the, not much of it. It was I'm some some of it was. Away. I'm putting my nunchucks away now. <laughs> no, but that like you know, I'm in I'm in this pro or this program is ending, but I was in this program for a year, and it it really is body centric, you know, somatic mm-hmm. focused, and you know, they, they there's a couple of things that I took away from it. You know, you and I have talked about this off off mic before, mm-hmm. um, and some of them are like quotes right one of which the guy said we're in these bodies not for nothing Mm -hmm. and it's true like that's the v whether you know we're embodied spiritual beings if that's what you believe okay but that means that we're in this thing right Mm -hmm. and so then how is it that that we are to have that kind of experience well that we have to work through the vehicles of our integration and i mean vehicles of our integration i mean like usually sensory inputs right touch taste smell hear feeling so on and so forth yeah and and so we have to kind of be aware of of that part but i think to his point it's like it's also being mindful of that of that duality essentially that like the heart can know reality but then you know or what does it say yeah it can be encumbered by reality but also knows eternity mm-hmm mm-hmm and that you have to be able to do both, right? That understand and remember that this vehicle has an expiration date. Mm-hmm. What it is, I don't know. I don't even want to know. Please don't tell me. You know. <laughs> I don't know to tell you. So. Right, okay, good, good. <laughs> like I don't, I don't have that skill either. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's probably safe for most people, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but that it 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 has that it has an expiration date, mm-hmm. but then simultaneously. You, the real you does not. And so we have to kind of take this um, perspective of keeping both, right? Keeping both, realizing the kind of like limited time that we have here in a body, in existence, in and around other beings in this form at this time. Mm-hmm. But then knowing that like, that is not all of which who we are, you know, so I think the the one part that I could probably take away from his and my conversation to bring here is that that part gets lost. So they'll do the body part. Okay, we'll get in and get you feeling so that you're not thinking about your grocery list or your previous traumas or the next day and anxiousness versus depression or whatever. But then they're like, okay, cool, we're done. We, we, we put you in your body. Well, you know, you were already kind of in it. We could certainly do a better job of, of integrating all the experiences. But then we never continue the conversation to say, yes, but mm-hmm. you're in the body, but, you know, there's, there's more to it than that. So um, I think as we, you know, go through the rest of this discussion, that's probably where I'll be looking yeah. from. And as a, and as a good reminder, you know. Yeah, I'll let, I'll let you continue on and yeah, we'll, we'll keep on going through. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this kid's talking about like uh, the sea, you know, being out at, at, at an open sea and the kind of like, he's like, being like seasick. Yeah. He's like, and he wants to go down below and like hide and like, you know, just be with himself. 
And his yes. dad's like, his dad's like, you know, really encouraging. He's like, you know, like people that have really weathered the storms, they come up to the, sh- up to the top of the ship and they look and gaze out to the horizon. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, no, that's true. And I mean, in, even if people have never really been on a ship before, or at least a small enough one that can experience mm, enough turbulence that they become nauseous from, maybe we could think of like maybe being on a plane or being in a mm-hmm. car. What do they always say? Look out at the horizon. Look out mm-hmm. at the horizon. That the the length, the openness in your field of vision will help to kind of like average the the bumps out in the short term. You know, it sort of mm-hmm. dilates time, I guess, or dilates your perception of it anyways. You yeah, know? for sure. Um, and that's what he's kind of talking about here, right? Is it's like quote unquote right, you know, riding out of the storm. Um and and yeah, go ahead. I- I was just going to say, I think, you know, his point is that like, it doesn't necessarily change the circumstance. Like it's, it's not going to calm the water by any means, but it's, it does alleviate a little bit of the, um, like what you're experiencing. And I think that next sentence, um, that you really like that next sentence that just said, like, um, it's the difference between despair and faith between the narrow point of doubt and a view hung through to sustain all life giving possibilities. Yeah. So I'll, um, I'll read, I'll read this part so people can have yeah, that as a context. Please. So it, yeah. Uh, so it so he's talking about how people come and and look at the horizon to give themselves a different perspective. And the, the author says, I have kept this wisdom close, meaning viewing the horizon close to me when pitched in storm. In truth, whether facing cancer or riding the insecurity of repeated rejection or trying to surmount the most profound moments of loneliness, my greatest pains and fears have been lessened when I've managed to keep the largest sense of life before me like a horizon this is the difference between despair and faith between the narrow point of doubt and a view long enough to sustain all life-giving possibility so i this this was the biggest piece i think that i kind of like took away from this whole passage is that like yes changing one's perspective on on things and 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 i want to get into this part here too so Let's do that part first. So he is basically saying, change your perspective. Take the larger view. It will help you ride out the storm. It didn't say it will help you stop the storm or erase the storm or forget the storm. It will help you ride out the storm, right? Survive, which in order to be able to look back and process and do whatever, you first have to make it through. You know, then we could talk about how well you're doing it. But what he's saying is look at the horizon, right? So this, there, there's, the, there's this short term and, and, you know, medium or long term view of riding out the storm with a, a larger perspective. Would you agree? I, I agree. Definitely. And, and how would you, you know, when you try to relate this to some of your people, you know, or for yourself, let's just keep it personal, you know, how, you know, how would you relate, make it real for you? Uh, I mean, I think like life has ebb and flows, like, you know, like you're going to be on a roll going uphill and you're going to be a roll on a roll going downhill. And if you're really zoomed in, you can spiral into like, you know, really feeling like you're down on luck and really can't pull yourself out. But if you can kind of step back, you can see that life does have a rhythm to it. You know, you can kind of like this idea of faith. Like I think of like faith and hope kind of together, this idea that like you can, you know, you can a little bit have faith and hope and leaning into that, like, it's not going to go down forever. Like there's not a permanence of that, you know, like just like the waves come in to shore and then recede back into the ocean, you know, um, life has a way of doing that too. And so like that, 
impermanence can kind of like give you a little bit of resolve knowing that like you're not going to be there forever basically and and it does and it does make it better you know it's like how much longer um you know can i go and i think also that's like the amazing thing about humans is like when you and like when you can have it in your mind that you can zoom out and you know that like you know that there's going to be an upswing eventually like you can then become conscious of like, you can become present with like the lows that you're experiencing and you can come out, like it strengthens you as a human being, you know, like making it through some of these things and being aware of them and like having hope to like hang on to, I think sometimes can give you some sort of bolster to know that like we are resilient creatures, you know? Well, make it, and- make it, make it real, man. Like, give me something, give me, give me you, you know, I, I you know, we, we, we do this thing where we talk large, but then we talk, you know, but then we talk real about like, you know, like a person experience like yeah like yeah 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 from you like you're fishing from something i feel like we chatted a little bit so are you looking for um like like an actual story of like for me yeah for you that's what i'm saying for you because like like look i'm i'm aware of of like as we're doing this people are going to be listening you Mm -hmm. know and these not these philosophical discussions are wonderful right yeah but they're full of you know no offense to you or me because i'm doing the same thing platitudes and large scale things where there's whatever but like i'm a human being you're a human being we're having embodied experiences you know and that Mm -hmm. you brought this before discussion and so Mm -hmm. i want to make it real so when you read this and like how did you use this in your own experience or how, how how have you used this type of um perspective changing i guess mindset in order to help you in, in a time in which you needed it. Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many, like when I became a mom, for sure, you know, like you have all these ideas of like what life's going to be like when you have a baby, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to have this beautiful little thing. And then when you become a mom, like the first week, like throws you for a loop. And I remember like, I wasn't getting sleep and like, you're just tired all the time and you try to get on a schedule. And then all of a sudden you feel like you get on a schedule. And then all of a sudden, like the next week, you're not on a schedule anymore. And, you know, a lot of people that are close to me or that um, know me know that my daughter was born with a congenital heart defect that was undiagnosed at birth. And so, you know, I like had postpartum depression in a whole different way because she was so sick and nobody could help me. Like no doctors could help me. I would take her in, you know. And um, so for 15 months of my life, which is a very long time, like when you are on a like that, like, that's also the thing that I would like to note about like, um, the ebb and flow of life. Like sometimes people think like, if I change my mindset, like I could recoup this terrible time in a week or 24 hours. Sometimes life hands you these lessons that drag on like this lesson in my life dragged on for 15 months. Like that's over a year of just like literally not getting any sleep. My daughter was having very bizarre episodes going paralyzed in her body, looking like she was having a stroke neurologically, like looking like she was you know, fritzing out of some sort. And like neurologists looked at her, gastrointestinologists looked at her, like we had um, lots of tests run on her, you know, nobody could give me any answers. And then like, finally, you know, um, she was diagnosed with a a faulty electrical system in her heart and a little bit of um, a little bit of a dilated heart, basically. And so they put a pacemaker in her. And so like at 15 months, she had a pacemaker and I thought we're finally on the uphill. And so we were kind of good from May until December. So I had like a little bit of a break being good, but then December she cardiac arrested in my house. So I'm like literally giving her CPR. She's turning blue, the paramedics, it took them like four minutes to get here. 
And then all of a sudden I'm in the hospital and she's hooked to life support. And I'm like back in the dark again, you know, and there was just a moment like I, I had had such a good break with her, like on the pacemaker. And I was so thrilled just to be like, finally getting some help. I, they finally knew that she had a heart condition, even though it wasn't perfect. And she was on medicine every day. And like, I knew that like that, the, the pacemaker might wear out someday. I literally had to see the bigger picture. I literally had to live in the day and be like, she woke up this morning and she's in a happy mood and I'm healthy and I'm enjoying it. And I couldn't just like stay zoned into like, what if her pacemaker fails, what happens? And then one day it did. And I was there giving her CPR and I was like ready to hit the ground running. And and when I was in the hospital, I remember being wanting to crawl back into that cave, wanting to just like be stuck on the downhill and see such a tiny, like narrow, like despair and loss of hope. But, um, you know, I rounded the corner and all of these nurses and doctors, they were putting her on life support and they were um, taking turns giving her CPR because the basically to put on life support, you have to cut a hole in the neck and hook two cannulas to the arterial and the venous side to bypass the heart and lungs. Basically, it's this machine that bypasses the lungs and oxygenates the blood for you. And it took, you know, it took a while to do it because this doctor is working with tiny little tools trying to hook these cannulas into these tiny little vessels in her neck. And I remember like, it doesn't matter how high the doctor was or how low the nurse was, everybody stepped up. There was like just rotating 30 seconds, giving their best, hardest compressions. And to see like people come together to help with that kind of thing was so beautiful. And it restored my hope. And I thought, you know, how can I be in a hole right now when everybody's stepping up? And I saw the bigger picture and it was so beautiful. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to be selfish. If she needs to go, let her go. But if she's meant to stay, let her stay. Mm -hmm. And so like it has followed me for so long because I know what it's like to be stuck in a position where you think that you just cannot get a good card handed to you, but also like to be able to see the beauty and other humans gave me so much whenever I was able to look up from my like thing that I wanted to look at mm -hmm. when I could look up, there was so much hope that came in just this outpouring. Mm. And, um, so for me personally, yeah, like it sucks to look up sometimes and to come to the top deck, but like, I promise you it's worth it and it helps. And it, it did like, yeah, it didn't change the fact that she was hooked to life support. Didn't change the fact that she ended up needing a heart transplant, but it did change my experience. I bet you could call any nurse or doctor in that hospital and they will talk about how, I mean, I was pregnant at the time with my son too. So I was like, just like rolling on the floor, but like, I was happy in the hospital. I will talk about it being the best experience of my life. I had all of this help and they are professionals and they knew what they were doing. And I all of a sudden like was able to see the positive, like Opal got really, really happy. Like once she got on her Berlin heart and we had, we waited for five months for her heart, but it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. And like to talk about that, people are like, how can you talk about that with a smile on your face? I'm like, it was amazing. I literally, um, it was, like I said, I just like, there was so much hope in it. And just, um, it was a really, it was and it was just a way of looking at it. I just, I refuse to look at it any other way. So. Well, and then finish. So just for our audience who doesn't know you, you know, who don't, doesn't know the yeah. story. Yeah. Finish, finish the, finish the little story. You know, give us the, give us up the up to date, you know? Oh yeah. So she was, she waited for five months for a heart. I was super pregnant. And, um, she basically, they came in on a Wednesday and they said, um, you know, we found, you know, Opal's been, we have a heart for her. And, um, so they basically, it happens very fast once they get a heart, like within the next couple hours they're taking her down and they're arranging everything. And then three days later, her brother was born. So she got her mm. heart on the 24th and then 27th, her brother was born and we had this like really amazing experience. And, um, she is three, 
we're coming upon three years post-transplant. So she's doing amazing. She is um, a little, she'll be six in January. And I mean, yeah, she's just an amazing human being. And like, also that's like another reminder every day. Like that's why I come up. That's why I climb to the top of the ship every day. Like I, you know, I want to, it doesn't stop me from wanting to crawl into a hole sometimes, but you know, whenever I see her, I remember that it's really powerful to look up and to keep your eye on the bigger picture. So. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. I've definitely mentioned, um, you know, you and and this story a couple of times on the podcast before, uh, but I wanted, you know, I wanted you to come on and talk about it, but in a way that was natural for you. And so that's exactly what I wanted you to talk about because, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So thank you for, thank you for doing that. You know, I didn't tell you, you know, but like, this is what I, because so why it matters for many reasons. One is that like that, that move, that understanding that like the bottom is only part of the, the path to me. And then knowing that's faith, Mm -hmm. right? The opposite of that is believing that the bottom is the end. Yeah. That's despair. Yeah, no, totally. Like, you know what I'm saying? So if we're looking at a sine wave or like a, you know, a sine wave, right? Like a U, if you know that it's going to come back up, if you believe that it's going to come back up, this is your faith in that, that, that it does, that the cycle does do that part, you know? You know? So I I had a home birth with Opal and um, I transferred from like Western care, like a little bit late to finding a midwife. And because I transferred so late, there was no midwives that um, birthed out of a hospital that would really transfer me to. So I found a lady that um, was going to birth and like would come to my home basically. (laughs) And um, anyway, uh, like there was like this thing of like, you know, for me, I'm always thinking about that. I'm always like, you know, I think we often think about death being the end or whatever, but I'm never thinking about an end like that. I, I definitely am always thinking of an upswing. So like, you know, if Opal would have left me in the hospital that day, I was already prepared to like learn the lessons and move forward to like a new blooming, like this idea that like death also brings life of something, you know, and it doesn't mean that it would have been easy, you know, Um, but like, I definitely, you know, I've had these conversations before that experience in my life happened, you know, I've had this idea because I remember talking to Tyler, who's my husband, and I was like, you know, I just want to let you know, like, when we're in a home birth situation, like, I want to talk about all of it, you know, like, what if, like, if we can't make it to the hospital, and we would lose, like, can we go on together as a unit, if we lose a child, like with this decision, can you go on raising a child without me, if I, you know, like these possibilities, like, even though there would be like a loss, can you think and visualize some new that would become of it. And would you be okay with that? Cause I wanted him to be on the same page with this decision, this idea. Um, because I do think it's a, it's a concept that like, we don't think about sometimes. And, um, I wanted to make sure that he was like in that kind of like mind thinking that just mm-hmm. because an end is here, there can be a beginning. And can you live with that beginning? Like, are you emotionally prepared to live with that begin that beginning of something? So, <clears throat> and so, um, but yeah, I like, um, you know, I think we, even you and I talked about at the table, you know, like death happens in nature all the time, but there's always a rebirth, you know, like the leaves fall off the tree in the winter, but then they bloom again in the spring. It doesn't always mean that there's a permanent end of something, which I think we think of as humans. Cause it's like, for us, you know, a lot of times we think like once our body's over, you know, if you're not into the practice of believing that there is an eternity or that something goes on and can transfer somewhere, it's kind of the, you know, it's like, the end. And yeah, we've talked yeah, about this in like this, yeah. you know, idea that they, they call this biological materialism, right? Yeah. 
yeah. materialistic view in that like when it's done, it's done. But like mm-hmm. actually, you know, not just in Buddhism, but like in the laws of thermodynamics, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Mm-hmm. Totally. So something can never come from nothing. It is not it, it is not possible for that to occur. Something has always come from something. Mm-hmm. So the idea of nothing is still a thing. <laughs> right that 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 in, that in itself itself is still a thing and people do this i'm going to find the right um uh de- definition for this thing but we talk about it a lot in the show uh called reification um well that's ratification not what i'm not exactly what i'm looking for but that the idea of reification and Reification is kind of like making something, I'll get the right definition here in a second, but reification is making something that is not um, solid, solid, right? So somebody, I don't want to call it idolizing because it's not, but it's like you take this idea of nothing, right? I'm going to disappear into nothing. Well, what's nothing exactly? Nothing isn't anything right? You can't make nothing into something unless you do it in your mind. Mm -hmm. And yet, what do we do when we think of nothing? Mm -hmm. Uh, Everyone's going to do something a little bit different because of their understanding and language and, you know, um, but like, we're going to make it dark, empty, cold. You know what I'm saying? Something like this, Mm -hmm. that's nothing, Mm -hmm. but you can't have something that is born, that's something that is born from that. And yeah. so the 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 sort of like, I guess, faith that there is something larger, yes. right? That this is a choice that you made to move forth, right? When you talked about it with your husband and then through that process of going through it with your daughter is the, it, it's not the realization, it's the, pra, it's the practical implementation of this kind of belief mm-hmm. through and through, right? And, and, you know, you, you had a little bit of a, I, I don't want to call it a Christian upbringing, uh, but a little bit, right? No, I, I definitely did. I went to, for sure, I was part of a non-denominational Christian church and I went with my, I was very close to my grandparents, you know, and my mom was very adamant about taking us, you know, so we would go two times on Sunday and on Wednesdays for, you know, since I was little, you know, multiple times a week. And I mean, I remember like whatever you connect with, whether it's God, whether it's source, whether it's love, whatever your idea of this like higher being that you connect with, you know, um, for me, I remember sitting in church and feeling something like it was like interesting because it's like I could hear the sermons and I could understand the lessons, but there was like a feeling sensation that I was like curious about that I could like feel, you know, and um And so through my, through my own journeys and my own practices and learning, you know, like I have come to understand it differently than my church upbringing or whatever, but, um, it's very much the same. There's a relief in leaning into something bigger, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and because it can carry, it can carry heavy things much more efficiently than we can. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, whenever you can put your faith and trust in that, and it's easy to say, like, put your faith and trust in that. But I remember like, literally, I remember, my daughter got pulled off of the, um, the life support machine because they thought that her heart was strong enough and they wanted to give her a little break from life support because the kidneys really like a pulsing sensation and the machine she was on is a continual flow. So it just, it just pulls the blood and pushes it back in, in this continued flow. 
And so they don't really like to keep kids on it for anybody on it for very long. And there's a risk of, of having a stroke, basically. You know, there's all these clotting factors because the blood's going through all these plastic tubings. So every 30 minutes, you know, there's like multiple nurses in the room and they have a huge flashlight and they're checking these tubes, looking for any kind of like clotting material or fibrous material sticking to them. And it's very intense. And, um, you know, everyone, when they're, they call it an ECMO machine. When there's an ECMO machine in the room, like everybody's hands-on, you know, and so they pulled my they pulled my daughter off of it, and they thought that she could, um, you know, rest and maybe get better, and her heart would be okay or whatever, so they could figure out the problem. Mm. And I mean, very quickly she started going downhill, basically. And um, she started going downhill where like she was basically losing um, heartbeats. So she was her heartbeat was getting really slow, and they basically had to again come in and start giving her compressions. And I just remember watching like I ran to the room, and there were so many people rushing in that I couldn't get into the room to be with her. And whenever I finally did get next to her, her black toe, her toe, her big toe was as black as my shirt right here. Mm. She was losing oxygen and her fingers and toes were turning gray and black. And I will never forget looking at her toe and just thinking like, this is like, this is it. Like, this is the end or whatever. And, um, you know, like they had, they were, they had to rush a, like the doctor that put on ECMO wasn't in the hospital at the time. So basically like, a um, not a trainee, but like one of the, um, the intern people basically had that was like trained to do it, but also like, you know, only in these situations would he do it, you know, like he's rushing in. So we all made room or whatever. And he started the operation while the other doctor was like racing to the hospital to get there. And I just like, I remember thinking like, there was a moment I was like, no, like in my head, I am absolutely making a pact with the higher source that says like, I will not be selfish to keep her here. If you want her, take her. And I was like, cause I was so conflicted whether to fight for mm -hmm, her or mm -hmm. to release, you know, as a mom, like it was so, mm -hmm. it was so much weight and pressure. And whenever I released it, like the pressure that came off me was so like physically, I could feel it come off of me. I knew it was out of my hands at that point. And, um, I just, I heard a nurse yell, like at the top of her lungs backboard, which means that they were trying to like give her compressions and they needed a backboard to support her in the soft bed so they could give her efficient compressions. And I remember hearing the backboard and, and I thought, and it didn't even like, it didn't even bother me physically. Cause I just knew it already released it. I said, if there's just, just take it, like it's out of my control. And, um, you know, I just sat there like in silence and I was just like, just sitting there. I was like calm and very comfortable. And then finally the doctor came out and said, you know, we didn't lose a heartbeat on her. She just got really low. So we were giving her supplemental compressions. She's stable now. She's back on the life support. And like, at that time I like knew I was like, thank you for bearing the weight during this time. And then also like letting me know that it's like time to just dig my heels in and go, you know, like I just have to run downhill as fast as I can to get back uphill and just keep, and just know that bigger perspective was going to basically, we were going to get to transplant, you know? And so, um, yeah, I just, um, I think like, I think definitely, you know, I can say all day, like, oh, you just have to lean into something bigger or whatever, but like, you just have to know that like, even if it means that you might lose something or something's taken away, um, it's hard to see how that could give you something in return or be a blessing, you know, down the road. Um, but it, it can be so, but even if you're not like leaning into something bigger, as you say, like you can certainly take uh, a macro view of things, yes, you know, yes, and like absolutely step out of the intensity of the moment and understand yes. that, like, if you watch a movie for 10 seconds in the middle of it, you're probably going to think it sucks. 
you know? Yeah, no, that's, and that's what it is. Like, yeah, totally. You know, if we can condense our lives into a movie, you know, we would see that, that there's an arc and there's these up and downs, but like, you know, it's not as bad as like, you know, just zooming in on it. And yeah, when I say lean into something bigger, I just mean like bigger as in like step, like bigger as in stepping back and making sure. your frame bigger. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, even yeah. have to be source or whatever. It just, yeah, t- like making yourself smaller and understanding that like life goes on, you know, life is going to go on without me. And, you know? and, and, and so like I, I wanted to come from, I wanted you to, to give your experience because we're, I, I want to make it very clear that like I'm not minimizing people's experiences mm-hmm. or their perception of their experiences, whether totally. that be, you know, all the nasties in the world, you know, the sexual assault victims and all the different yes. kinds of physical assault victims and, you know, poverty, you know, like I'm not, no, we're not ignorant, you know, we're not, we're not mm-hmm. saying that, but you know, you giving your story as we talk about like experience as the teacher, right? So there's various types of teachers that can be in this world. Uh, we talked earlier about physical beings, you know, being one version of them. We have an episode, uh, I think it's called like, what's your type, the different the multiple types of teachers. Um, but the physical being being one of them, books and writings and whatnot mm-hmm. being another one and experience being another one, you know, um, that you're coming from a real place and that a very real place of literal life and death, you know, yeah. of your, of your firstborn, your mm-hmm. first child, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and there's nobody arguing with me, you know, in terms of like, yeah. whatever, but I, but I, I understand like, if I was listening to this, I'd be like, yeah, but what about people with real shit? Well, you had real shit. I mean, I've had real shit too. Everybody's had real shit. And, and so what we're saying is coming from people who had real shit, this helps yeah. Th- this is this is the thing, you know, like we're literally in the middle of the season of darkness in the bottom of the water. And what do we do? We celebrate the return of the light. Right. As yesterday was the, the winter equinox. Mm-hmm. And so today was, the, you know, one second longer <laughs> than yeah. more light than yesterday, you know, but like it's that again, it's that focusing on the 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 remembrance of the full swing of the arc. Mm-hmm. Right. And that to me that's faith, right? You know that the arc is going to continue regardless of how it's going to look. It, yes. it will, it will. So, yeah, I mean, I think. Uh... Yeah, it, like like everybody, that's the thing. Like ev- you never know what someone has like endured or what they're, what they're dealing with. Or right. like I said, like that's what I was also trying to say. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't know how long that, downhill is going to be or how like right. how, what it's going to cost us you know like yep. sometimes I think we can get in our own heads about like oh I mean it was hard for me I was bitter for a long time because I was like you know I practice yoga every single day I eat healthy I went to Chinese med- preventative medicine school for heaven's sakes like I spent years of my life learning like about the body and how to keep it at its utmost healthiest like of all people, like I don't do, I don't do drugs. I'm not really a big drinker. I don't smoke of all people like loser. To have, to have a baby, <laughs> like my, like for a long time, I was in the mindset that like my baby should have been healthy. 
you know, like, like, you know, and to come out with this undiagnosed heart thing, whenever it doesn't run in my family, you know, it's not like a, you know, there's like a predisposition to like some sort of genetic thing or whatever, like congenital thing. No. Um, and, uh, it's actually, you know, I think it's actually the, the, like the number one common defect in babies, you know, congenital heart defects are, um, the number one in babies, but like, of like in just my, I couldn't wrap my brain about, I was really bitter about it for a long time. And that was part of like that 15, that grueling 15 month, just like mentally disturbing part of my life, you know, and to come to the other side from it. So like, I know sometimes, you know, it, yeah, it's not, I know you're not trying to minimize for people because sometimes Mm -hmm. it really does feel like, you know, life is super unfair. And like, you know, why did this person get two bad cards? I like literally my entire deck sucks, you know, like, um, and it can, and it can feel like that. It really does. And I think that's like, um, I also like in a weird jacked up way, I really like those times in my life. Cause I'm like, Oh, I was like, there's a lesson here. And like, they're the most beautiful lessons here. And you, you know, me, and like my people that are close to me and my tribe know that like, you know, whenever, whenever that gets like really rough and I'm thinking like, this is the worst, that's whenever I'm for sure climbing to the top deck and I'm, I'm like ready for the lesson, you know, cause it's so mm. beautiful. Like mm. some of the most beautiful um, things have, have, I've been, I've experienced on the other side and I carry those lessons with me every day. And um, I'm like super grateful. And so I think that, yeah, this reading just really resonated with me about this idea of like, you know, sometimes I just want to crawl into a hole and I just want to be like, this sucks. Or a closet. (laughs) Or a closet for sure. (laughs) This like sucks so bad. And then, but then like, I feel like there's so much joy if you come out and, um, and are, uh, just like, like I said, just allow yourself to, um, to see a bigger picture and a more, a more hopeful horizon, you know? I want to say thank you for sharing again. Yeah, no problem. You know, and uh, I'm glad that we made this about you and your story because I've wanted to have that, you know, here for quite some time. And uh, it's taken, you know, numerous episodes and, you know. Uh, it wasn't even on my radar. I'm so, I'm so glad. Like, I mean, when you're trying to pull me, I was like, oh, you, I'm a cranial sacral therapist too. You know, I practice and we had talked about talking about like other things about this. So I, I was like, are you trying to like, I was like, no, that's not what I don't feel like that's what you're asking for right now. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it feels, I feel joyous when I talk about it because like truly like, um you know, to make it through something like that. It, um, you know, and I, and I feel like if circumstances were different, I I feel like I really could be this joyous in a different way, because I really, like I said, when I released that decision, you know, I was, I was happy to accept whatever came and I was fully able to let it, I was ready to let it go, you know? Mm. And, um, and that kind of detachment has allowed me to like love so much more in my own life. And like, um, whenever I see her, like, every day. It's really, um, she, if, if you would ever meet or if people ever meet her, you know, she's very, she's very joy. She's like the embodiment of joy and, um, excitement. And it's really cool to see. So, but you're still her mom. I'm still her mom. And she can still be a pain in the ass. Even. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I'm just saying, you know, like there's that balance, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Shut up. Get get down from there. You know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah so no I, I I also yeah there's a fine line in being a mom man because it's like you know I don't think she's perfect by any means in a way no. of like being an angel like you know and she's definitely can manipulate and play and 
I tell all of her teachers and we have a whole team at her school that like really um, unites to like help care for her and make sure she's safe basically. And um, I, uh, I tell them all the time, I'm like, you know, don't let her get away with anything. Don't take it easy in her. You know, right. she's, I used to like, I used to have this thing and I was like, you know, I'd say she's lazy, you know, because I'm like, oh, she just gets so tired and she kind of is lazy, but I wanted to have like more positive wordage on it. So mm. I told every, we were, I was at a meeting the other week and I was like, you know, I was like, she's not, I was like, I wanted to use the word lazy, but I think that's negative. So I'm going to say she is very efficient. Right. <laughs> very efficient so if you give her something to crutch onto or use she's going to be like i could conserve my energy here and i will just lean up against this or not do the work or ask to be carried or wagoned around you know like um she's funny like that and so um anyway yeah she's she's still i'm still her mom there there, right there's the there's the balance yeah there's a balance so even the even though you're staring at the horizon giving yourself the the sense of expansiveness the ship is still is still rocking yeah i'm mm-hmm. still like i'm still like whenever i want to stay up till one in the morning doing a weird hobby like hula hooping or painting something i'm just like she's like i gotta get up i must i like it doesn't it doesn't help me sleep in like right. i'm still sleep deprived sometimes you know so right. yeah i still have to live in this world i'm just yeah. uh yeah totally Awesome. Well, listen, I think this was a, a, a great conversation. Uh, I'm glad this that- This is totally unexpected. This is not where we talked about going in this. But it's not where we so talked much. about going, but you know, yeah. I was like a little, re- not resistant, but you know, I had my little things on- you I, know, wonder but that- why you didn't, I didn't. I was wondering why you sent me like a little bullet. I was like, why didn't you send me a little bullet point thing that like, you know- Because that's why. not, that's, that, that's not Daniel, man. Daniel likes to have a little bit of structure, but he'd be, he'd be oh. on that spontaneous okay, type thing. Okay. Because this- you know, the beautiful part, and I don't, you know, truth be told, so sorry, audience. Um, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, I, I do mine. And then I listen to some bits and pieces here and there more, more audiobook. Uh, I like a little bit longer form thoughts. And so I try and, and merge those two together. Cause to me, conversation that's lively is entertaining conversation. That's um, educational is also entertaining, but then people who speak from their, you know, from their own sense of self, with education and experience that to me that's the pinnacle you know that's like mm-hmm. as, that's as high as you can be from my perspective and once the mic comes on as eric talks about this you know once a little blue light pops on you know you have your notes you could try and stick to it but magical things happen and i feel like there is a power for the narrator and the audience to hear real stories of transcendence you know, and we've talked about this with a number of our, our guests before, Joni Osborne and Lady India and Keith Brewer, lots of people, you know, Mary Kay in the first couple episodes, first episode, you know, so, um, you know, we can add you to the list of, um, you know, inspirational real life tales for people to to draw from, you know. Well, thanks for being so amazing at like directing the flow of conversation and um yeah, just leading. Thank you for having me on. So of course, it is truly an unconscious skill that I cannot take credit for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Anyways, uh, any last parting shots before we uh, bid adieu? Another French word? Mm, no. Okay. No. Okay. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on and for sharing. Uh, definitely ha- ha- glad to have you on and have people hear your story. Um, you know, for people who want to, uh, you know, send us an email or reach out to Priscilla for any reason, just give me an, e- an email at ginandtantra at gmail.com. You can hit us up on uh, 
Instagram at Jin and Tantra. Leave a comment in the YouTube section, um, you know, or leave a review in the Apple podcast section. That, yeah. definitely, that, that helps the show grow. <laughs> uh, you know, as always, you know, like, comment, subscribe, share with people, blah, blah, blah. You know, we get tired of hearing that thing. But for those of us who are on this side, um, it really helps the the show grow and um you know it's motivating you know to see to see that people are listening and and you know then being affected by what it is that someone's doing i think for us speaking as practitioners and as people who love to share you know from a compassionate place it, it really is lovely to know that like something that i would do or say would have some kind of positive effect and that's the intention that always has been and it always will be so um for Priscilla and Eric and whoever else is on our team that I don't really know about. Uh, this is Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. I want you to get together. I want you to get together. I want you to get together. you to get together.